Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, Kevin, how we doing? No, no. Good morning. Good morning. Snow, ice, in the teens last night. I am so happy I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it does have its advantages, right, Greg? Guys, I got, uh, you guys sound like one of the monsters from Ghostbusters on my mic, so I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> well, that's that's a call from our tech team. I bet to figure that out, Greg, right on time. How are you doing this morning? I might. Uh, let me try and get back in here. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, Kevin, live. No, I love technology. I wish it I works. could record it. It's very cool sounding, I got to say. <laughs> hey, live streams. Murphy's Law is alive and well, certainly, uh, as we all are looking to overcome our technical challenges. We'll give Greg a few minutes to join back in there. Kevin, how was your weekend? Hey, it was it was very, very good, actually. Uh, kind of quiet. I took some... Uh, Took some downtime, uh, and um, you know, after the holidays, you got to you know, I got to sit down and uh, recover from the family, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, I agree. Well, hey, today I think we got great some good games on. Uh, some good games uh, to, to look at. Though. Agreed. Well, yes. Uh, in fact, the Cowboys and Niners are all the rage this this Monday morning. Greg, you got us now. Yeah, that was like watching Ghostbusters. I mean, it sounded like either one of those monsters talking or it was like the devil was talking to me. At first, Scott, I thought you were messing with your microphone. And then Kevin spoke and I heard it and I went, oh, it's me. Well, I've been known to mess with people a couple of times. Never. But I'd spare. All, all, that means, <laughs> all that means is all that checking and testing we do before we go live is worthless. Right. That's right. It's true. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, it's the Internet. Well, um, you, you you joined us right back, uh, right in time as Kevin was talking about the NFL games over the weekend. So before we kind of move on and talk about the buzz and all the things we're going to chat through today, Greg, I'm going to give you one quick take on the football games over the weekend. Remember this trivia, uh, this trivia point. Who was the last NFL player to sack Ben Roethlisberger? Hmm. Mike Dana with the chiefs. Yeah. Like a second string defensive tackle for us. So, okay. So <laughs> I'm going to win. He got himself into the record books by doing that. How about that? By doing that. <laughs> well, lots of great games. Uh, love the playoffs. And of course the chiefs look, look strong, getting ready to maybe make another super bowl push. But folks today it's about the super bowl, super bowl of supply chain, right? The supply chain buzz. Uh, Digital Transformers Edition, which is really Yay! important. Kevin L. Yeah. Jackson joins us uh, the third Monday of each month. Of course, Digital Transformers is the podcast that knows no bounds, taking no prison, taking no prisoners. Uh, it's been very popular. Enjoyed the work there, Kevin. But hey, on today's buzz, we dive into some of the leading news of the day. Again, every Monday at twelve noon, we're going we're to probably focus a little more on technology here today, which I always learn a lot between Greg and Kevin. Uh, right there, but buckle up and get ready because we want to hear from you too. Now, we're going to say hello to a few folks. We've got a bunch of folks chiming in, uh, including Kelly Barner, the birthday girl. Kelly Barner Happy is birthday, with us here today. Kelly. Happy, Happy 25th. Birthday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Happy 25th. <laughs> How many so, 25ths is that? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, Second big, big friend of the show. 25th birthday. <laughs> big friend of the show uh great personal friend professional colleague and we're actually gonna be talking about one of her most recent collaborations yeah. towards the end of the buzz but hey uh before we get started speaking of birthdays and um what we recognize on the third monday of every year it's martin luther king jr day here in the u.s third monday of january each year where we you know pause to reflect on the incredible 
uh, extraordinary legacy of an exceptional human being. And that's where I want to start here today, uh, Greg and Kevin. You know, there's so much, gosh, here in recent months, uh, as, as we've touched on his journey and other podcasts, there's so much. Uh, but but Kevin and Greg, what, what comes to mind as you reflect on uh, the one and only Martin Luther King Jr.? Uh, Kevin? Well, actually, um, I, I really, uh, he really changed, you know, he changed everyone's world, to be uh, to be honest. But, um, you know, I was uh, uh, a uh, in the choir. I was like 11 years old when he got um, assassinated, right? And, and I was at a children's choir rehearsal at uh, St. Stephen's Church in Neptune, New Jersey. And, and uh, the streets just erupted. Not, I didn't really know why, what was happening. Not, I couldn't get home because of all the chaos that was going on in the streets. And my, my pastor uh, took us to his house to, so that we can be safe. And later my, my parents came to retrieve me. But that was my first realization of how the broader world can deeply affect one's personal life. Right. You know, news didn't mean much to me as an 11 year old. But from that point on, it, it, it was, it, you know, what was happening to others was important to me. And mm. uh, the, the next time I ever felt anything like that was 9-11. You know, so his life really points out the fact that you as an individual can change the world. So, you know, so so step up to the challenge mm. and, and be important, be consequential to the rest of the world as you lead your life. Mm. Kevin, I couldn't imagine a better way to, to kick off the buzz here today. Thank you so much for sharing. Greg? Well, you know, it's a little bit different for me because it was a history lesson for me. I was two years old when uh, Dr. King was was killed and um I learned about it from my parents and grandparents and in school. Um, and it, it, you know, I got, I probably Kevin, like you did, you learned about what he was doing in school as well, but it was a little bit different for me because I had to reflect back on it. And in fact, uh, doing some studying over the weekend, um, I don't know that everybody knows this, but his name was actual, actually Michael King day. And in 1934, his father went to Germany to study Martin Luther, the original uh, form, former of Protestantism, and was so influenced, so inspired by that, that he changed his name, Martin Luther King Sr., changed his name to that, um, and subsequently his son. And, um, I, you know, when I think about some of the famous words of Martin Luther, right, here I stand, I can do no other. Basically, these are the principles that I stand on. I can do nothing mm. else but stand on these principles and protect and guide and reflect them. And, mm. and I just remember that statement so clearly and think about how, mm. you know, at least what I learned of him. And, and of course, everyone knows now that that was the way that he was, right? It, it was about not fighting. You almost, almost don't want to say the word fighting when you think of Martin Luther King, because it was resisting right? It was aggressively resisting and outwardly and openly and peacefully resisting oppression. And, and I think that, um, you know, that, that, that whole sort of circle from all the way from his father changing his name from Martin Luther, obviously, but from his father changing his name, they were protesters from the beginning and they protested mm. injustice and they did so in a way that was so effective to change people's minds and hearts and policies and things like that. And that just that little story, um, you know, kind of brought it full circle for me as to why mm. Dr. King thought the way that he did. They were so philosophically influenced by, um, you know, the goodness of someone who invented an entirely new way to mm. be individually expressive. So Mm. Well, if you think about the uh, the men of peace, uh, Gandhi, and recently lost uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu yeah. in, um, from South Africa in December, on December 26th, day after Christmas, and, and then Martin Luther King, and how these these men of peace have um, really changed the entire world. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. 
Um, so, so really quick, and I, I, I'd love to keep it here all day. I, I, I think both of y'all, there, there's so much to talk about, about this one family's, but one one man's journey and the impact he had. But this, this image here, I, I came across it over the weekend, and we see so many of the same wonderful, iconic images of Martin Luther King Jr. This was new to me, and this really captured you know, a special moment with his family. This was taken, I think, May 1956, and this was in Montgomery. He was in his mid-20s. He, he uh, begrudgingly and surprisingly, would had around this time, had been voted president of the Montgomery Improvement Association. And a, a big reason for that is, is others were fearful of the retribution from the community. And but he took it on it in the mid mid twenties. Imagine doing what he's doing, starting in the mid twenties. Um, so special man, special family that also sacrificed. Um, incredible historical impact, and and you know one day is never never enough. But I think the challenge that we all have is to reflect and act on the legacy year round of of, of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and his family. So thanks so much, Kevin and Greg, for sharing. Y'all's thoughts here today, and there's so much more, as we all know, to that story. Okay, on a much lighter note, it, it feels crazy going from Martin Luther King Jr. to global supply anything. chain, but yeah. <laughs> to anything right. really, that's right. Yeah, but uh, hey, that yeah. that is what we do here, and and we'd welcome. Hey, we we want to make this conversation. We welcome all of y'all's thoughts that are in the cheap seats, uh, the skyboxes, as it were. We're gonna say hello to a few folks here in just a minute. Um, but we want to offer up lots of learning opportunities, starting with tomorrow's webinar with our dear friend Jeremy Bodenhammer, uh, talking about survival uh, when it comes to warehouse automation, uh, your survival guide to modern warehouse automation, adapt or die. So check that out tomorrow at 12 noon. We've got Infor uh, with a live stream this coming Wednesday at 12 noon, talking about uh, what's worse, bad news about your supply chain or uncertainty about your supply chain. Corinne Burst will be joining me for that. That's a tough um, call, isn't it? I mean, really. That is a tough call, yeah. isn't it, Greg? Um, and we're going to be out in Vegas. Uh, we invite you to join us uh, in early February as we're out with the Reverse Logistics Association Conference and Expo. I think it's their 18th straight annual conference. So we look forward to continuing uh, investing in the coverage of returns management and reverse logistics, which we've been doing for a couple of years now. And then finally, folks, nominations are open for the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. It's a global affair this year, right? We're celebrating uh, global successes across industry on May 18th, 2022. But hey, nominations close on March 1st. So you got about 45 days to nominate individuals or companies across eight different categories. Um, and we're really proud, Greg and Kevin, to be um, baking in a ton of purpose into this awards program uh, where we're supporting Hope for Justice, a nonprofit dedicated to eradicating uh, modern slavery and human trafficking, which it is a travesty. Those are travesties in and of themselves, but it's a travesty that we have to utter those words in 2022 for sure. Um, links to all those events are in the comments. And um, Kevin and Greg, no shortage of things taking place across global business here in January of the new year. Is that right, Greg? Agreed. And a ton of recognitions. I mean, you know, this is kind of the month where people reflect back on the, the previous year and look forward to the rest of, of the current year. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that. And I think we're starting to see some realizations. Some of the things, Scott, we have been talking about and we've been talking about since the pandemic started and Kevin's been talking about for nigh on a decade, right? Get your, <laughs> get your technological house in order, get your processes in order, right? Um, build your house on, on stone, not on shifting sand kind of thing. And um, I think we're starting to hear more about that and starting to see more companies move seriously, move that, that direction. Agreed. I'm just going to follow in Kevin's footsteps and trust the path. Kevin, your response to that? <laughs> well, the, the the thing about it is that you know people uh, respond to adversity. Society responds to adversity, and the the past two years have been really a a learning opportunity opportunity for our entire society. You know, I've said this before, but it's the first time that 
the entire population of the world experienced the same calamity at the same time and could actually talk about it in, in real time. Uh, I was looking at the show last night. It was four billion people on Earth were locked in to their homes uh, um, over the past uh, year, right? That's half of the population mm. of the entire globe. You know, that's amazing. It is. And it's, it's amazing that uh, technology and infrastructure has got to keep up with uh, making sure we can maintain connectivity amongst all those folks. I tell you, I don't know about y'all, but I had to kick off three kids off the internet prior to going live here today because they're home uh, with the holiday and they were not none too pleased about that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, let's say hello to a few folks. There's so much to talk about here today. I think we've got four stories teed up that we've been working our way through. And folks, we want to hear from you. We got Jason T. Hopkins uh, with us. I think he's in D.C., big Bama fan there. Max Gomez is back uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Max. Marwin says, good evening from the other side. Good Greg side. and Kevin, any Ooh. guesses? You don't think? I'm hoping that's geographically and not. Um, <laughs> you never know. Of your microphones, it could be. <laughs> uh, maybe he is a Ghostbuster. That's yeah. right. Maybe we do need a Ghostbuster. Uh, and and uh, is with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Ann, this morning. Simon is back uh, via LinkedIn. Simon, hope this finds you and your wonderful sense of humor well. Stephen is tuned in with us here today. Uh, Keshup is here. Uh, let's see here. Studying uh, master's in supply chain in Ireland. He is new. Any suggestions for looking for jobs in supply chain? Hey, Keshup, great question. Folks in the comments, hey, drop in jobs, drop in advice, places, resources, you name it, as we try to help help Keshup, who's getting through. It looks like a great program there. Yeah. Eric. Uh, uh, just Go open ahead. open your ears because they uh, they are out there. There were we were two million professionals short prior to the pandemic, and there are far more supply chain jobs out there now. So that is find, right. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. Oh yeah, find. yeah. So Eric asks, and Eric, good morning. Uh, where I think he's saying is my UGA gear. Well, uh, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very. <laughs> Congrats to all of my Georgia Bulldog friends. It's been really cool living here on the fringe of the eastern metro Atlanta area, seeing the Bulldogs, you know, celebrate uh, a, a national championship. Really is cool. But but I'm a big Clemson fan, uh, as this poster right here, just over my right shoulder, uh, might seem to indicate. But Eric, hope this finds you well this morning. David's tuned in via LinkedIn from the UK. Uh, Max, hey Max is talking Chiefs. Let's see here, Mahomes. Versus the Allen Showdown is going to be a great game. Hope one of those two or Burrow win the Super Bowl. Greg, your quick take. It's going to be a tough fight. The uh, the Bills stomped our guts out um, earlier in the season. It was not pretty. But um, Patrick Mahomes has to be looking at, at Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and going, am I the future greatest quarterback of the NFL or are they? <laughs> I mean, he, I really think he thinks that way and he's got to know in his heart, his heart of hearts that he is, and he's got the team around him to win. And I'm hopeful that they step up, but I mean, I fear the bills like no other. I, uh, I, I think well, the Super Bowl coming out of the AFC, I think the Super Bowl will be um, an incredible game, but these AFC teams are going to beat the heck out of one another getting there. <laughs> All right. So speaking of football really quick, Kevin, because you're a big fan of the Washington football team. It's about to roll out a new nickname. What's your yeah. favorite one of the ones they're considering? Well, yeah, I, I actually wanted the Red Tails, but they, they didn't make the short list. It's like the oh, Alvarna, I believe, the Presidents, the Brigade. I don't know where that came from. The Red Hogs, Commanders, the Red Wolves, Defenders, and football team. <laughs> made the cut as a the last uh you know list i'm not sure but um maybe I, i'll have to go with armada um being a navy i mean I, yeah there that, you that go. sounds pretty strong <laughs> that sounds like a good one uh t square <laughs> uh, who holds down the fort force on youtube hope this finds you well uh says hope that nourishment ain't getting blown in these winds as he puts it uh, love that. Gene Pledger is with us. Uh, he of Northern Alabama. He's he doing some good work 
uh, helping others succeed in supply chain. Gene, hope this finds you well. Roger Carr is back with us uh, from the winter wonderland of Greenville, South Carolina. Uh-huh. Former home, I think, of the Greenville Growl. I'm not sure if they're still there. Greg, you, what were you well, I'm say? just curious. I heard they were getting, you know, when you're in South Carolina, you hear a lot about the upstate. And I'm, lear- <laughs> I'm learning my South Carolina geography. And um, Love it. I'm curious how much they actually got there because they were predicting as much as 10 or 12 inches in Greenville, what? South Carolina. What? The home of BMW, Goodness. by the way. <laughs> well, Roger, fill us in. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, let us know what how much uh, snow y'all got there. Natalie is tuned They're in back with uh in uh charlotte uh via linkedin great to see you there peter says good monday morning likes he's liking greg's new dude peter saying oh wow i love it too uh, greg i'm going for the uh i'm i'm contemplating growing it out and uh man every day is a challenge have you seen that (laughs) have you seen tommy boy where he wants to rip his hair out Every day I wake up, my hair looks like that. So, like, how high does it get before it falls? Right? I, I don't know. It hasn't fallen yet. I can't get it to uh, fall. That's part of the problem. Love I, you know, it. Love I'm it. thinking. I'm thinking if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'm going to go with the Patrick Mahomes cut with the twists and everything. So wow, because I, I think it'll stand up better than his. <laughs> Peter, thanks for noticing. And Greg, I look forward to getting a future rundown on the do. Mervin, yeah, great to thanks. see you here via LinkedIn. Uh, Jason says, Who would have who knew the MLK was a logistician and knew the road success was integration? You know, that's a great comment. And I also I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but there was a logistician on the March on Washington. And we did a we did a podcast about it and, and uh we uncovered some some really new aspects of one of the biggest um, historical events on record, certainly uh, across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Roger says, as a bivocational minister, my favorite quote from Martin Luther King Jr. was, quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Excellent. My favorite of Uh, all of his quotes ever. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and finally, and, and I love all the feedback we're getting. Y'all keep it coming. We're gonna, we've got a lot of stories to work through. Uh, Helmet, thank you so much. I've enjoyed your submissions. You've sent some articles and some takes uh, across social. He asked a great question here, rhetorical question. Uh, what would be his dream for global supply chains? That's a great question. We'll probably try to sp- sprinkle some of that uh, answers and responses to that maybe throughout our conversation here today. So thanks so much, Helmet. Okay, um, and, and stay tuned because I think one of them, part of that response, is a vibrant um, diversity across our global supply chains, creating opportunity for all. And we're going to touch on that through a wonderful article that Kelly Barner put together uh, towards the end. One, one final, Kim Winter is tuned in. Greetings from the desert, guys. He is in Dubai. Kim, great to see you. Appreciate wow. all the good work you're doing. Okay, so folks, we're ready to get started. And we've really enjoyed everything but supply chain for the first almost half hour of the show. We got to get to work, right? Yeah. So on that note, let's start with this first story here. So the first story uh, we are talking about uh, here in the first month of the new mm-hmm. year, CEOs continue to brace for more change in 2022. Shouldn't surprise anybody. As reported here by the Wall Street Journal, Omicron, inflation, and labor shortages. Oh, my. Kevin, <laughs> tell us more about this story here. Well, well, actually, there was a, um, a survey done by the conference board. Uh, this is a private research group. And they, they said that more than half of U.S. CEOs expect 40%, at least 40% of their employees to work remotely three or more days per week after the pandemic goes away. So this is something that's going to stay. And this compared to like 28% of the CEOs before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, about 82% of these uh, CEOs, there are about 900 CEOs they talked to. And this was globally. This wasn't like just in the United States or anything. They are seeing upward pricing pressures for raw materials and wages, and they expect 
this pressure to last until the middle of 2023 or beyond, right? And this is coupled with labor shortages. Mm. Companies like Honeywell International are, are reassessing prices of their goods more frequently, right? They don't just set a price once a year. They're looking at it like every month or two. And, and cloud service providers are, are planning new incentives for their employees to lure their employees back into the office. Nobody wants to go back into the office. And uh, one of the ways they're trying to get people back in the office is with you know, COVID-19 testing to allow larger gatherings of workers. I mean, you know, what is safe today? You know, what right. is safe post-pandemic? Uh, you know, this is this is going to be an endemic thing, right? It's not. It's never going away. Mm. Greg, uh, I think that's a that's a great analysis. Is you know, this is the new flu, common cold, whatever. This is something we'll live with for the rest of time which is something that was not just foreshadowed, but scientifically discussed by Harvard doctors in the very early dates of the, of the pandemic and subsequently ignored, mm-hmm. which begot a lot of this, of these issues. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot of articles because I am absolutely baffled while, why people are not going back to work. I mean, other than, you know, the fact that they're constantly hearing about a new variant that could impact their health um there has to be other reasons because there are plenty of people getting out and getting around um you know depending on on where you are in the country i guess but or or Mm. what country you're in but um you know people are you know the, the root of all of these problems in terms of inflation and labor shortage obviously is people are continuing to live on the money that the governments gave them as subsidies they paid off their debts. They packed away savings, which I didn't even think about people would do with a genius on their part. And now they feel like they've got some buffer. They're kind of waiting for things to, to settle out. Remember, Scott, I said the word of the year would be stability. I think people are work, right. waiting for stability. They're waiting for stability in, in health and, and in you know determining, is this in fact an endemic? I think, Kevin, you and I are maybe a little bit ahead of the curve in believing that and other people still think this can kill a lot of people um, and they're afraid of that and and the you know of course the rhetoric from politicians and the news is commonly that so i, I don't know what else yeah. we would expect people to think um but people have savings and they have this kind of nascent trepidation about getting back into the office so they're just in in a wait and see um you know, they're in a wait and see mode around these things. Right. And we're going to reintroduce a word that I think maybe only Kevin and I know, Scott, I don't, I don't remember exactly. when. <laughs> I don't know word. many words. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when this word was used. Stagflation. So yeah. the economy will definitely stall. The Fed has already indicated that they will, they will raise rates three times, probably four. And now people are saying five times in 2022. Wow. Um, inflation is rampant as evidenced by it growing yet again in, in the last month of the year. Um, so we're going to see a stalling of the economy while prices rise. I think that, if not stability, but that, that concern will start to put people back to work. And maybe, you know, I don't think high minded like, like politicians and economists do, but maybe that's what they want is to try and force people to get back to work. I'm not sure, but but I think that one of the things we have to do is we have to introduce some stability here. And remember, for all of you not in the states, this is an election year in the states. Stability is not usually what we get here. We get a lot of rhetoric and double talk and promises and threats and things like that. So I'm yeah, I don't know exactly, but I can tell you this. It has changed the way people will work in offices for a significant number of years into the future. I don't know, five, ten, maybe ten years, maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't know uh, if people will go back in the office. Um, I, just I, mean I, I was to looking work at another. Kevin. Yeah, I was right. looking at another show, and it was saying that jobs like 
um, driving Uber and Lyft or or doing the um, Instacart kind of job. Yep. Mm. People are deciding not to go back to their old jobs because they have no control of their safety. They, mm. they see it as a, a danger to go into the old job. So like in the case of like Uber or Lyft, you're in your own vehicle. You have control of right. what's in there. Uh, you set your own hours. They're putting windows. They're making up. They've already saved a lot of money and they're making enough money right. with this gig economy. Yeah. So, you know, why go into some environment you have no control over? Right. In, uh, you know, in, in today's world. Do something that you ha- at least have some semblance of control. Right. Well, it, some good news is, and, and we keep getting more, I think, from the medical community, at least what I'm tracking, is that uh, more and more milder um, uh, cases uh, with this, with Omicron and, and this last variant. And, and that's, that is great news, right? That's great news. A um, couple quick comments. Ask and you shall receive. Roger gives us a weather report. Four inches up in the upstate oh. of South Carolina. But the ice is worse, yeah. he says. Oh, um, yeah, ice is treacherous. Sheldon is back with us here today. Welcome, welcome back, Sheldon Rose. Great to see you. Looking forward to your contributions. Uh, Eric's giving us stock tips. I love that in the comments. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. That Prologis, tell you, Prologis is doing some really cool things, Eric. And finally, T-squared. Stagflation was in the 70s and 80s. I remember it well as a four-year-old. A lot of good stuff there. Okay. Hey, really quick. I want to, and we're talking about as this lead off article, we're talking about uh, the story in the Wall Street Journal about some of these issues that CEOs are bracing for for change uh, and, and disruption and challenges and you name it. Mm-hmm. But a quote in this article I found interesting. A beverage industry executive mentioned that, quote, there isn't enough agave in Mexico to make enough tequila, end quote. No. Now, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I didn't know. That officially tequila must come from agave plants grown in the is it Jalisco region of Mexico. Yeah, it's a much like problem. yeah, yeah. I yeah. had no idea. Much like champagne's got to come from France. Vidalia onions have got to come from Georgia, right? Um, and I also didn't know that there is for years now there's been a shortage uh, of of agave to meet the massive demand in recent years of tequila. And I was doing some reading about tequila. It really has re reworked its image and it and its brand uh so I, I, no no wonder we're seeing all these tequila commercials all the time it is a hot hot market greg i know you've done some work uh i believe in the beverage industry do yeah. you like tequila i do and i mean <laughs> it, you know, it, it's not just for shooting on spring break anymore i mean it, it never was <laughs> it never was frankly but in the states we sort of whatever went to the lowest common Object. denominator as we as right. we often do right well, we um, like the shoebox my, things, don't we? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is now a sipping drink, a mixing drink, obviously margaritas. But I mean, there are all kinds of things that you can do with it. And there are very, very good brands of tequila that are as good as any scotch or bourbon that you will ever drink that you can literally drink. I mean, sip uh, straight. You know, drink it neat in a snifter. So it's not just <laughs> well, for know, shot glasses. That's right. The other thing is, is the process uh, for grow, not just growing, but then processing the starches that come out of the plant takes a long time. And so there's been a lot of fighting over the acreage in Jalisco, Mexico, as the different brands and companies want to secure um, uh, their, their, their raw goods. It's really, really fascinating. Kevin, your quick, quick response, and we're going to keep driving. Um, I can't wait to have another shot with Greg. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're, I, I think we're actually closer driving distance up to one another now, Kevin. So yes. Come we on have to down. make that happen. Yeah. So, of course, Kevin is talking about Tequila Sunrise with a T-E-C-H. I'll let Greg do the wink. But lots of great content there. Fascinating interview that Greg and Kevin, Greg did with Kevin, a two-parter. Yeah. Y'all check that out. Maybe we can put the link in the comments there. Uh, a couple quick comments. Speaking of, Tempest says Uber drivers and Lyft drivers can make more than truck drivers right now. Wow, that's a great, really? great comment, Tempest. Great to have you back. Uh, Natalie says my latest research project: motivating in a work from home environment. 
There's a struggle to maintain high team performance. Think collaboration, learning, connection yeah. when everyone is working from home. That's a good point, Natalie. Happy to tell okay. you how I've been doing it for 21 years, Natalie, if you'd yeah. like to know. <laughs> that, that would be a master I mean, class, Greg. I, I mean, I, I've been dealing with at least hybrid organizations since 2001, and there are some really, really productive ways to do it. Strangely, walking down the beach the other day, I was talking to a lady from, uh, oh my gosh, one of the big universities <laughs> in Canada. Um mm like their most prestigious, which in the name just went through my head anyway. And, and she was doing a study on this, on work from home and the dynamics of, and you know, Scott, you often mentioned water cooler conversations and the value, right. Of having someone present and always on, uh, or always, always uh, in, in your space to share and bounce ideas off of. I think that is something that is, um, lost and so powerful. I mean, agree and, and emotionally motivating when you get to experience that. So one of the Agreed. things you have to do is enable that to whatever extent you can. All right. Uh, we, a lot of good stuff there. We're gonna have to have a conversation dedicated on that. Maybe we can pick your brain, Greg, on, uh, leadership best practices when it comes from work, the work, leadership the continued, work from home. Yeah. yeah, work from home environment. Um, but really quick, Kevin, I want to keep driving here. We got so much to get to. This next article mm-hmm. talking about all the change we're already been, you know, already have been speaking to for the first half of the show. There's been plenty of change across global supply chain, of course. And this really interesting article, I think quick read from Forbes, Greg Price, a different Greg, points out a few supply chain and strategy strategy trends, easy for you to say, to consider <laughs> in the new year. Kevin, tell us about this. Well, we're talking about people don't want to go back to the office, right? Um, And uh, so there's a labor shortage, Um, but you still need to get the work done. So how can companies deal with this? If you're not going to get the people in, that means more automation. So this is a huge trend, not just in supply chain, but across just about every industry, because increased uh, automation will free up teams from the manual task. And that means you can use humans for what they're best for. So you can um, you can do the same amount of work with the same number of people or lower number of people, but the, the, the people can focus on high level strategic work mm-hmm. rather than those repetitive tasks, right? Make the robots do the repetitive task. Um, and some of these, you know, time consuming things like setting appointments and checking shipment status and generating invoices. There's a robot for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. go get a robot. <laughs> well said. Um, but, but also data. One of the most important things we found over the past two years as the supply chain crumbled was the lack of access to data. And the fact that this data is just all over the floor, it's all over the place of, of where your products are, where your raw materials are. Um, so it's really important now, and as we go into 2022, to have more centralized data so that those humans can make better decisions. So because effective supply chains mean pairing data with human expertise. No robots allowed. You, you need the humans, right? So centralizing data enables the in-depth analysis and reporting that uncovers those inefficiencies and opportunities for improvement. And this also means that there's gonna be a continued constraint on capacity across the supply chain. One thing I learned recently that I I really didn't think about, but, but empty containers in the US, like when the, when the uh, pandemic started, you know, and the United States in general imports more than it exports. Mm. So all of these containers came to like the port of LA full and they emptied, emptied the containers, but they couldn't get the empty containers out of the port back to the manufacturing ports, okay? So the empty containers just stayed. And now there's that tens of thousands of empty containers in the ports here in the United States. 
and the manufacturers that need them, uh, uh, Greg, cover your ears, in China <laughs> can't, can't, can't put more products because they have no empty containers, right? Yeah. But there, there's another part of that. China imports most of their food and food producing uh, countries, no, like the United States and, and, and Mexico and, and others, have been shipping a lot of food to China. And they use reefers for that to keep the food fresh. Now, the same thing has happened on that side mm. because they haven't been able to get the reefers out of China back to the food producing countries. So, uh, because it, they can't make money shipping these things empty. Mm. So, you know, even if the pandemic goes away tomorrow, there's still going to be a huge constraints on supply chain uh, globally. Yeah. Now, and this, all of these things are forcing a lot of mergers and acquisitions because of the smaller companies just can't survive through this. So these trends are, are going to really be the headlines across yep. 2022. Yeah, it's never an easy time to be CEO, but certainly, <laughs> certainly this is a much more challenging time. Greg, your, your talk about uh, your response when it comes to supply chain trends and strategies and some things Kevin's talking about. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that, that to go back to the prior article also is we have to confess as leaders of companies that it will be largely remote and that uh, as kevin said has said before and we've talked about frequently uh this labor shortage will continue and it will continue until people's bank accounts run out and they have to get back to work mm. um and and the labor shortage is the root of all problems in the supply chain um mm. you know the fact that that people aren't you know, coffee is going up, right? Uh, um, uh, new agave plants are not being planted, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's, there, we're having predicted a produce shortage now. And so few companies, um, you know, grow their own uh, produce. Sorry, somebody's trying to get me to play tennis right now. Um, Priorities, Greg. Yeah. Go get the tennis. I, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> shooing them away. I'm shooing them away. Um, <laughs> it's also too windy. Um, but I think the, you know, those kind of things are the things that CEOs have to think about. That the world is changing, and that um, you can't think of the world in the way you want it or the way you wanted it to be in the past. You have to think about how people's psyches have been changed over the course of the last right. two years, and and how that changes things. For instance, automation, to Kevin's point, we no longer need ever apologize for automating jobs because the jobs that Kevin is talking about, no one, virtually no one wants, right? Right. Um, it, it is now inevitable that certain jobs will be automated as people do whatever it is they do, right? Do side hustles, which become front hustles and things like that. Yeah. Uh oh. Sorry. <laughs> now my wife is responding to the tennis request. Um, <laughs> I, I got to get my other equipment down here. Um, right. Anyway, but you know you have to you have to uh, acknowledge that these things are have changed and probably changed for the foreseeable future, if not forever. And some of those right. jobs that Kevin is talking to, they should have been automated long ago. It was only because the previous generations held those jobs and held on to them so tightly that we didn't automate them before because it was unpopular. Right. Mm. And now 3.6 billion extra persons, largely from the baby boomer generation and generation X have 95%, by the way, of that 3.6 million people who retired early are from those two are 55 and above. So, mm. um, so and those people held on to those jobs and the next generations don't want them. So automate. Right. Just yep. automate. And and as yep. Kevin said, position humans to do human things. 
Well said. All right, really quick. Uh, I want to chime in. Uh, you know, one of the things that y'all are both speaking to and the article spoke to was uh, that final mile uh, delivery, the, the autonomous final mile delivery market. So get this, folks. Mm-hmm. Get this. This might even surprise you, Greg, and you, Greg's never surprised. Uh, <laughs> 900 million is what that market is estimated as uh, in 2021. Some project that to grow to almost 5 billion by 2030. Man, supply chain tech is yeah. hot, and especially if you can play in that sandbox. All right, we got to keep driving. I'm going to share a couple of comments. Um, Greg and Kevin, to give you all a heads up, I'm going to skip over our third article and get to Kelly Barners for the sake okay. of time here today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just give you a heads up. We got to do that. Uh, Jason one. says, yep, I think companies, especially supply chain companies, will have to re-engineer office space and distribution with healthcare in the forefront. How to make an office feel like home. Jason, excellent comments there. Let's see here. Um, Kim, this is point uh, spot on here. Shout out to Supply Chain Now friend Jacinta Talia. Talia Uli, I think I've got that right. I think Kim, it's been a while. Um, we Kim and I interviewed along with Kelly Barner, uh, Jacinta, and her and her family are in the Tonga region, which experienced that volcanic uh, eruption. Now, here's some good news. Kelly reached out to her and has heard back. Her and her family are okay. That is wonderful, wonderful news. The world is a small place. Kim, Kim and Kelly, thanks so much for uh, pulling that out. Uh, let's see here. John's talking about the labor market and John, great to have you back. He says, what happens when the ILWU oh. contract expires on July I'm 1st sure. this year, yeah. man, the bottom's going to fall out another, further. Another shock to, uh, prices, right? That's right. That is right. Um, and let's see, Eric, uh, if you want automation, you're a freight forwarder, uh, hit him, hit him up. Looks like he's got some best practices. Uh, for reducing your workforce by about 50%. Very cool. Eric, check that out. Always be okay. closing. Oh, <laughs> always <laughs> be closing. That's right. All right. So, folks, um, for the sake of time, we're going to go straight into our third article here today. Now, this is a special one, not only because we love, we all love Kelly Barner, but love the topic, right? Especially, you know, if there's ever a timely day. Oh, well, hang on a sec. Before I talk about this, one quick thought, folks. Um, we were talking so much about automation a moment ago. Uh, Kevin and Greg, have y'all seen the movie Her uh, that stars Joaquin Phoenix? Yes. Okay, Kevin, have you seen that yet? Yeah, no, I haven't. Check that out. Check that out. I'll tell you, it was um, that came out. I want to say I was I was googling it as y'all were sharing earlier. That came out back in 2013. Now it was timely then, but man. I stumbled back across that over the weekend. It really will make you think. And Greg is smiling because he knows what I'm talking about. It is really a movie ahead of its time. Uh, so check on that as, as we talk about AI and we talk about all this automation and then just how human humanized <laughs> the, the technology is going to be in the years ahead. Uh, that movie will become more and more relevant. So check without her by Joaquin Phoenix. Kevin, especially next time you come on next month, we're going to have to talk for a few minutes around uh, what that movie means and some of your thoughts around it. Movie right. assignments. Put that yeah. on your list. <laughs> movie assignments you know, from the buzz. I don't want to distract us too much, <laughs> but as I think about people staying away in droves from work, I cannot help but be struck by the movie Wally. If you've ever seen the movie Wally, where people yeah. have become so complacent, they ride around in chairs that on a <laughs> ship because the planet has been decimated, whatever. And they just can't do anything now because they have evolved to become basically, I, I don't remember what kind of morphic, but they can't really physically do anything. So I wonder <laughs> right. what our future is if we don't do the productive things. So we have to figure out this balance, right? How to Agreed. keep people engaged. All right. So folks, check out Her and Wally. We're going to have a movie review. Those are both, both are fascinating. And Kevin, we'll have to circle out and get your thoughts too. Um, and I love that you mentioned Wally. That's such a great movie, Greg. All right. It is a great moving movie. Ahead, moving ahead. <laughs> so again, talking about diversity in our global supply chains. Uh, I love the trends we're seeing. Uh, our dear friend Kelly Barner, host, of course, of Dow P for, for procurement here at Supply Chain Now. Well, she published this delightful article uh, a few days ago, focused on the theme of building inclusive supply chains. And whoever asked that question, I think that might have been um, Helmet. Ask the question about, you know, 
What would Martin Luther King Jr.'s thoughts on global supply chain be? Man, talk about a fascinating conversation to have that one. But I believe uh, that a big part of that is building inclusive communities. So, um, Greg, based on this article, it's a really uh, had had it beyond Kelly's POV. It had folks from uh, across industry weighing in. Um, what were some of your key thoughts related to this or the bigger space of supplier diversity? Well, I mean, this is really Kevin's specific areas of expertise with Source Connect and the work um, that he that he does. Um, but I, I think the important thing is the um, initiative, right? It, it's you, you have to have more than just a goal. You have to have more than just metrics. You have to have a real, active initiative to um, bring bring diverse suppliers which is one of the things that she's talking about into the fold but moreover as you talk about what you know what mlk would think about supply chain i think his concerns were much higher than supply chain they were frankly higher than than human than humanity and and driven by that higher power that higher will that higher understanding frankly than i think most of us have his solution is the same throughout, right? It's um, it's do the right thing and do it, mm. you know, do it what for the right reasons. And I think that that Kelly, in her way, has really kind of described that here. And given, by the way, also some both strategic and tactical guidance on how to get there. You need big solutions to bring people together because it requires everyone to contribute. And I think that's a really, in its way, a really powerful statement because, you know, if you want to change things, everyone has to be involved. They have to be driving it. They have to be making the decisions. They have to be presenting the ideas. They have to be sharing and arguing the ideas for presenting the solution. And I think that, um, you know, that's, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I don't want to elevate it to MLK-like, but it is the best way to look at it is try to solve the big problems and in in trying to solve the big problems you got to bring everybody into it yep well said greg love that uh kevin your thoughts well um i'm going to elevate it greg said he didn't want to elevate it but i'm going to elevate it look okay (laughs) one i know we skipped the last article but that last article was all about human nature in that humans don't like change right and but change is what drives growth. You have to be forced to change. And COVID-19 mm-hmm. has changed the entire world. These discon- discontinuities drove really a jolt to the entire to every industry. And this drives uncertainty. So everybody's not sure of, of what's going to happen. So they're thinking about how do I respond to this change? I, okay, I've been forced to change that I don't want to, but now I have to. So that's another jolt. And, and the third jolt is how do I change my long-term strategy to reflect what I've learned so that I can survive in the next normal? Now, these uncertainties drive a growth mindset. And this is really a, gro- a force for good because growth sets the trajectory for mm. future where millions more people can prosper and attain greater economic security, more material comfort and, and better, higher well-being than before because this has been forced on us. So growth is an enabler for our progress towards inclusion and sustainability. This helps create well-paid jobs, right? Uber, you know, Uber drivers make more money than truck drivers. Truck driver was, was a good middle-class job, right? And this generates sufficient funding for things like climate transition. So, you know, jokes are good. Change is good. And we've been forced to make that change. Then this will be towards inclusion and sustainability. So diversity, those that are successful in our global supply chains are those organizations that embrace diversity and inclusion. Mm, Well said. 
Well said. Um, you know, a couple of quick points, uh, and folks, we drop the link to Kelly's article uh, in the comments. Hey, be a part of the conversation. Uh, click that link, and it'll take you to the LinkedIn post, and we'd love to your, your, get your comments and your take on on optimizing supply diversity. But, hey, love the good news that was mentioned in, in Kelly's article about the state of supplier diversity, the data that that, that report showed. There's tremendous momentum for greater and more successful supplier diversity. And Greg, kind of along the well, lines of what you are both speaking, important point that Kelly makes in the article, and I'll quote her, uh, quote, if a supplier diversity program is to last, making a solid business case to the leadership team is essential, end quote. That is that really important when you say that louder for the folks at the back, because oh. it's not just the right thing to do, but it's got to add to the bottom line for it to be sustainable, That's right? right? So y'all check that out. Uh, check out the link, uh, Kelly. Wonderful article. I love what you're doing with the um, what's that LinkedIn program, Kevin and Greg? Called yeah, the uh, uh, Creators Program, right? Yes, like the Creator Accelerance uh, Program. It's one of LinkedIn's first big um, pushes to kind of invest in content creators. And hey, they picked a great one. They got a great list of folks. Kelly uh, is amongst that list, and love to see the, the good stuff come out of that. Uh, good work. Um, all right, a couple quick comments. We've got some good ones here, Kevin and Greg. Uh, Simon says, say that a couple of times fast, right? Yeah, uh, Simon says. <laughs> necessity said. is the mother of invention. Digital transformation entwined with sustainable supply chain will drive the change we need. The metaverse will soon be mainstream. You know, Simon's got a little poetic, poetic. <laughs> uh, um, I like uh, Simon. I'll I do, do too. what Simon says anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, great, great to have you back. Uh, Tempest agrees with what you are saying. She says, totally agree with the sentiment that people need to be forced to change. It's maybe one of the reasons why we don't like it as humans. I'm not sure who this is. Amanda, Clay, uh, Catherine, maybe y'all can let me know. Says the root cause of the supply chain issues are really about addressing the internal and external supply chain as they are interconnected. Uh, Jason says, Greg, Automation of jobs is a good idea, but I got a question for you. If we automate a simple forklift, will we need to train that operator to manage it from a remote computer? Redesign is always followed by re-education. Can we train that one person from operations to robotics? Is that on the job or go back to school? Lots of questions. You said one question, Jason. <laughs> Lots of good questions. Greg, what's your quick response? I think we're going to have fewer and fewer people who want that job. And it's going to be it's going to be moot as to how we retrain those people, because, um, you know, I ultimately that's that's certainly a technology that could be more than just a drone, not just remote controlled, but certainly automated. I mean, if you look at some of the automated robotic picking systems, what are they but tiny little forklifts or or a substitute for a forklift? So, um, I you know, I think what we do is we identify the gifts that people have and we position them in the company based on what those gifts are. And, you know, and we talk about this all the time, humans are best at making critical decisions rapidly with inaccurate or, or unavailable data. Technology cannot do that. It takes tons and tons of data to train AI. Humans can work, if you will, on the fly. And therefore th those will be the jobs that humans will take. So we won't need to retrain anyone to do the jobs that are being, or maybe even um, transition them to some of the jobs that Jason contemplated there. They'll be totally different jobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What better person to operate a fleet of remote forklifts than someone who drove forklifts? Right. They don't have to go back to school. That, that experience right. is, is, is critical. Great point, Kevin and Greg. Uh, Kelly is with us in the cheap seats. Uh, thank you for including my article today. Kelly, absolutely. Uh, big fans of what you do. Love your thought leadership. And let's make sure folks connect with Kelly Barner. And you can also check her out at Buyer's Meeting Point, which is her company. Uh, you know, we, we love our collaboration here via Dial P. I uh, love what she's doing with Phil Addison over at Art of Procurement. Of course, we collaborate with both uh, for our Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. Nominations close March 1st. Get them in. Uh, but make sure you connect with Kelly on LinkedIn and connect with our company. All right. Uh, I love Peter's comment here. Peter says, how about simply make decisions and stop tripping over yourself for perfection? <laughs> Kim's a big fan, fan of that as well. 
Uh, Kenton says, at the heart of most supply chains is a production operation. That is where raw materials and supplies flow into and finished goods flow from. Many of the biggest issues are created by constraints within the production process. Uh, process. That's right. Theory of constraints. One uh, word needs ahead. to be added there. At the heart of most manufacturing supply chains is uh, a production operation. I mean, I think what we excellent. need to acknowledge as supply chain professionals is that they're foundationally four types of supply chains, manufacturing, distribution, retail, and consumer. Uh, Stop the information and data supply chain. That's right. That's good. That's a good one too. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's see here. Um, Peter loved <laughs> driving the forklift when I started working some 43 years ago. Me it too. was always a blast. I, I agree. Is there anything that Peter hasn't done? <laughs> I don't know. Retired, you know, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> Even when I was in the Air is. Force, right? Well, he just He's so not. he just joined uh, last joined as of last week. Yeah. That's right. As of last week, I believe Peter joined um, a, a friend's company, and it, gosh, he's going to bring so much wealth to ta- wealth of information and knowledge to the table. But really quick, speaking of forklifts, when I was in the Air Force in Wichita, Kansas, Greg, your your hometown, um, I got a part time job, make some extra money because the pay. Enlisted pay wasn't the greatest, and the best thing of my part-time job was it was at an aircraft components company on the other side of town, uh, so I had to drive quite a bit from McConnell Air Force Base. The best part wasn't the pay. It wasn't. I got to do some cool things with Air Force parts, especially uh, aircraft parts, especially landing gear parts, but I got to drive a forklift, and it was my favorite <laughs> part of the whole thing. Um, landing gear okay. parts? Wait, what was the name of that company? You know, I've done. I've Googled. That was back in two thousand one or two thousand. No, I was, I was before nine eleven because that had to go away when nine eleven hit. So that was back in two thousand, and I cannot. I've I've done searching. I've Googled. I've yet to find it. Um, so maybe you can help me. My best um, friend works at a company that does landing gear parts on the west side of Wichita. Um, oh, we got a chat. It's got, we got a chat right be, after this. How many more companies could there be? That would be yeah. so cool. Um, all right. So, folks, we're, we're a couple minutes right, over. Now. We've had a wide-ranging <laughs> uh, – Kevin and Greg, I love getting you all together. Talk about a brain trust. You know, two of you all get together. Um, Kevin, let's talk about uh, Digital Transformers for a minute. You know, your hit podcast series, one of the many projects you've got cooking. Um, what's <laughs> What can folks uh, expect as we get deeper into 2022? So, uh, on Monday is our first uh, – uh, release or published for uh, Digital Transformers. And it's going to be feature uh, a show from the uh, Middle East and North African Cloud Alliance is going to talk about technology convergence uh, and, and cloud and, and you know, robotics and all of that, how that works together to, to change industry. So uh, stay tuned for that. And in February, we're, we have a, a, a brand new sponsor AT&T Business. And in, in February, we will be featuring AT&T Business on the cybersecurity. They have a special study, a report, cybersecurity report coming out from AT&T Business that's going to focus on healthcare. So that, and we have so much lined up for 2022. So uh, make sure you follow Digital Transformers. I love it. That's very exciting. Uh, digital Transformers. We talked about Dial P for Procurement, Tech Talk, Digital Supply Chain Podcast. We got a new series launching uh, just around the corner with Billy Ray Taylor. So you look for that, the winning link. And Greg, I know that uh, your Hall of Fame career, we, you've been on a sabbatical a little bit with Tequila Sunrise, but we may just lure you out of that sabbatical. Who knows? Any it thoughts could happen. There? It could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm. I'm I'm really enjoying sabbatical ling, and I'm really just finally getting into the leisure part of it, if you can call it that. <laughs> right. A life of leisure can be a lot of work, Scott. Right. Well, you know what though, uh, and and you well deserve to, and and it's been really neat to see you kind of this next phase. But you got so much, both of y'all. But Greg, speaking of entrepreneurs and growth and. Um, you know, fundraise, you know, just a whole entrepreneurial journey. You got so much to share. We got to, we got to get a crowbar and get it out of that brain. You got too much to give. 
So uh, it's been really cool to see all those great discussions. Okay. Greg White and Kevin L. Jackson, one heck of a conversation here today. I got to share this from Jose. Jose, I think you're you're coming our way um, this week or next week, I believe. I think I owe you a message, but Jose does a great live stream focused on logistics and coffee. Uh, he says, life for people in general would be the same unless we change. The world is going to change regardless if we do or not. True. That is a wonderful thought, Jose, and safe travels as you come our way in the coming days and weeks. Okay, final word. Final word, I promise. And then we're going to sign off and, and we'll go Kevin, Greg, and then I'll I'll call it a day. Kevin, your final challenge for our team here. Hey, listen to what we've said. And look at 2022 as not just a year of change, but a year of growth. That's what we're saying. You know, keep your head on the swivel and include diversity and inclusion as you do that. Mm, well said, Kevin. Greg? Yeah, be, Lord, be more like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? I mean, mm. hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Mm. Love that message, yeah, Greg. I love that. Yes. You know, I went I went scrolling up back through the comments as we're about to sign off here. And I love this something that Kevin mentioned. Both of y'all were very eloquent on the front ends. We talked about Martin Luther King Jr. This was a t- there's lots of t-shirt isms there, but here's one that I'm thinking Amanda <laughs> called. Uh, Kevin said, quote, step up to the challenge, be consequential yeah. to the rest of the world. End quote. I'm glad I'm that, glad you called that out. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. You bet. Great catch, Amanda and Kevin. Excellent challenge. That's everyone's challenge here, whether you're in supply chain or not. you got to be con- consequential, and you can't do that via lip service leadership. It's about taking action and, be, and yeah. being bold and brave enough to be the first one to take action, even when you don't like to do it. So, folks, uh, wherever you are, we uh, hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Hopefully, you, you, you pause for just a second and reflect on what Martin Luther King Jr.'s journey means to you and how it means to your your day in and day out actions i've I've listened to kevin and greg here a lot i love how they they've baked in that into how they view the world and how they view uh, their daily walk so folks um we hope to see you next time remember the buzz every monday at 12 noon um we're going to sign off here big thanks to amanda and Catherine and clay behind the scenes for making it happen uh scott luton signing off on behalf of kevin l jackson and greg white challenging you to do good to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.